This is a podcast for the People and Nature Journal at the British Ecological Society. I'm uh, Ken Thompson, one of the senior editors of Functional Ecology, and I'm at the British Ecological Society annual meeting in Birmingham. And I've caught up with Kevin Gaston, Professor of Biodiversity at Exeter, and also a senior editor of Functional Ecology in the fairly remote past. The very remote past. The very remote past. But uh, the reason I'm talking to him is he's the editor-in-chief of the Society's latest journal, People and Nature. And so I'm just going to ask him one or two questions and, and see what he says. And so, Kevin, you, what, what is it about People and Nature that's tempted you out of editorial retirement to take up the reins again? It's too good an opportunity to miss. I think this is filling a vital gap at the moment in the literature and in the BES's aspirations for how it develops um, its portfolio of journals and how it responds to the needs of the ecological community and the wider environmental community. So why, why do you think you in particular are the right person to do this? I guess over a long time now, I've worked in a very interdisciplinary fashion. I've worked with a whole array of people operating in different fields, um, conducted research with them, published with them. And People in Nature is fundamentally about those kinds of interactions. It's about how ecology overlaps with other disciplines, what other disciplines have to say to ecology, um, and vice versa. That's the heart of what we're trying to do here. And so I'm looking to sort of leverage off my experience and my practical understanding of those kinds of interactions, the challenges they offer, the opportunities they offer, um, and hopefully bring that to the benefit of the journal and to the society. Right. So it's, um, I know we're just about to arrive at the first issue, yes? The first the first paper. The first came, paper. paper came out yesterday. The yes. first paper came out yesterday. Literally yesterday. And I and I think you asked me not to ask you what that paper was, but I'm I'm going to anyway. In the hope. In terms of, I can't tell you what the exact title is because my memory isn't that good. Um, but it's about uh, the interaction between grouse and hen harriers and how the conversation around those and who is framing that conversation is very important to how we understand how we deal with an undoubted conflict. Ah, okay, right. So, very nice. And it's been, it's, so it's been a great success, has it? I mean, there's been, a, there's obvious demand for this journal. I think we've, we've opened this opportunity up at just the right moment. I think there is a, there's a lot of demand for a good journal with a good society backing it um, in this space. And certainly we're seeing lots of lots and lots of submissions right from the outset. And we don't actually have our first issue out yet. Um, so um, I think we're, we're hitting this at just the right time. So I'm, I'm fascinated by this whole human health and well-being and happiness relationship to nature and greenness thing. And that's well established now. I mean, there are hundreds of papers that document this. But I, I just wonder if you think we're any nearer knowing what what's the underlying reason for this what is it about nature and biodiversity and greenness that makes people happier and healthier 
you so, know? So first, firstly, I'd say that I don't think these two, two bits of the conversation are unrelated because I'm, I'm very keen that we see a strong strand of people mm. in nature that addresses this very issue yeah. um, and gets real, I think, about the ecology and about the, the mechanisms underlying these interactions. Yeah. I think we know some of these things understanding is increasing very rapidly, I think particularly around things like interactions between nature and between human health and allergens and I think a lot of the fundamental biology of that is increasing the fundamental medicine of that's increasingly well understood I think the clearly there's interesting things going on uh, interesting research going on around the interactions between nature experiences and psychology mm. um, the big challenge there seems to me to be we understand how to explore those things or people the medical community understand how to explore those things within say a laboratory context where you can put somebody in an appropriate machine, you can hook them up to the appropriate things and, and measure their, their responses in ways that... The challenge is how do we do that actually out in the field, out in nature, mm. where actually we, that's where we really want to do those things. Mm. And a lot of these things are becoming more portable, the devices are becoming... I think that's it's exciting times. That's where a lot of the action is going to happen. So I don't think we know all the answers, yeah. far from all the answers from a medical perspective at this point. But I think we're sitting on the edge of a dramatic transition in that understanding. Yeah. And the problem with the field, of course, is there's too much going on. Too many variables, in a sense. Well, I think the other big challenge at the moment is, is actually much, ironically, much of the ecology involved in understanding is, has been quite superficial. You know, it's including you know, many, many, many of the papers that we've been involved in have, have not really pushed what of the key ecological components that deliver the benefits. Right. So we we, un, we measure people's experiences of yeah. green spaces. We under, we measure the species' richness and composition in those green spaces that they're visiting. That's very different from saying what are the actual components yes. that people are responding to in terms yes. of their physical or their mental health and yes. well-being. And I think that's another area which is going to grow and I think is another very exciting place yeah. to be at the moment. So just one final specific question. Do you think people actually respond to biodiversity itself? I wonder whether actually, in one sense, they are doing so, but because greater levels of biodiversity entail greater experiences with certain components to which they are responding. So it may not be the richness itself, but the things that that richness entails, which they're getting the benefits from. So they get benefits from there being more biodiversity, although individually they're not experiencing all the components of that richness. Well, it's been great talking to you, Kevin. Thanks very much. Thank you.